Yo, Rob Harvilla from 60 Songs That Explain the 90s here to inform you that we are back with 30 more songs because the 90s were super long and had a ton of rad music. Please join us every Wednesday for more 60 Songs That Explain the 90s only on Spotify. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity, the unplanned, the unexpected, an inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue, a surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland, watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Hello and welcome back into the Ringerverse for a surprise emergency podcast. As we always promise, this is the Ringer's Nexus podcast for all things fandom. And that means on a week where there's a Moon Knight finale and an Obi-Wan trailer and a Doctor Strange premiere, and then also a surprise Game of Thrones trailer, we're going to be here for all of it. Uh, But as we mentioned on... The House of Midnight episode we recorded about the Moon Knight finale. Mallory Rubin, beloved to all, is out of town. She went out of town and they dropped all this content on us. <laughs> so, my dearest darling friends of the last second, because they're the best people in the whole world, my trial by content co hosts, my storm of spoilers, storm former co hosts. Dave Gonzalez and Neil Miller are here. Hello, Dave. Hello, Neil. Hello. On your left. Valor Morghulis. We have arrived. Um, we are getting the band back together to talk about a new House of the Dragon trailer that dropped today. Normally, if Mallory were here, knowing Mallory, it's a it's a minute 30 trailer. We would spend 130 minutes talking about a minute 30, <laughs> 90 seconds yeah. of trailer. Uh, we're going to do a, a briefer little check-in with you guys today. We are not going the full-blown um, Ruben-style treatment, but we want to check in, talk about all of this, let you know that we three are still podcasting together elsewhere on the Ringer Network. Uh, Trial by Content is the name of our show. Uh, Neil, what was our subject this week on the show? Ooh, I mean, we had a really fun one this week. We talked about Star Trek away teams. And uh, I have once again 
made a great argument and am probably going to lose horribly. But I still think you should listen to the episode because it's fun. <laughs> Neil's dragging the poll. So basically every week on the podcast, we debate something and then I'll put our, our candidates out there for you all to vote. And Neil is dragging, but I got to say, it's not too late. This is going to drop today, sure. Thursday. Polls go tomorrow. Uh, we could see a Neil surge. It could still happen. Uh, sure. Did- yeah, we just need we need the Knights of Neil to show up and vote really hard <laughs> for me. That's what I'm calling my followers now. <laughs> the Knights of Neil. I love yeah. it. Um, ben the Neil. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Dave Gonzalez, what are we talking about? What are we debating on Trial by Content next week? While we're debating best surprise cameo in cinema, that means you weren't expecting it, and then suddenly a cameo happens. Like, say, you're clearing your head from a Star Wars day, and suddenly there's a new Game of Thrones trailer. That's a surprise, but we're looking for uh, surprises just in cinema for next week. So that is, you know, tune in. Trial by content. It's a fun fun hang. Uh, It's a fun podcast. (laughs) As I mentioned, Dave and Neil and I, for years and years and years, podcast about Game of Thrones on a podcast called Storm of Spoilers. Now, you might have your hackles up here. Spoilers? I'm not here for spoilers. Uh, Here's a fun fact about House of the Dragon. It is based on completely existent written text from George R. R. Martin. George R. R. Martin has already finished this story. It is a prequel, though don't call it a prequel, series to Game of Thrones. So the story is already out there. But just in case you don't want to know about a book that's already been written, I'm just here to tell you, Every here's what's on the table for our discussion today. The two novellas, Princess and the Queen and the Rogue Prince, the lore book, World of Ice and Fire, and Fire and Blood Volume 1. That's the source for this show that are... Those are books already written by George R. R. Martin, and we are allowed to talk about them. I've decided those are the rules. Those are the rules when Mallory and I talked about the trailer last, the, the initial teaser as well. So we don't, we're not talking about production spoilers or anything like that, but we are going to talk about text. So that's what's here on, on the show today. Quick programming reminders. Midnight Boys are going to be here tomorrow, Friday, to talk about Doctor Strange. And the Multiverse of Madness. Mallory and I are going to be back together on Monday to talk like deep dive into Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. We've got some Doctor Strange interviews coming. We've got a mailbag coming. So strange times ahead uh, on, on the feed. Uh, you can follow all Ring of Us on all socials, on Twitter, on TikTok, on Reddit, et cetera, to, to catch up with all of that content that we have going for you. And after that lengthy preamble, it's time to talk about the teaser itself. Do you guys want a quick refresher on sort of what the premise of House of the Dragon is? Sure. Uh, yes, not- especially me. Because like you you yeah. listed off all these books that I know that you and Neil have read, but I have not read any of the books by George R. R. Martin in A Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> so uh, if you could uh, refresh me a little bit, uh, just prime me because I, you know, I have like dragon thoughts, but so does everybody. What What's the focus here? Yeah, Dave needs to know who all these blonde people are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all these interchangeable blondes. Um, all right, Neil, Neil, help me with this. So basically, we're, sure. we're in a prequel, we're in a preamble, a lead up to A Dance of Dragons, the Targaryen Civil War that you might have heard of if you watched Game of Thrones. And this and- is hundreds of years, right? So we're not going to have any old or young Han Solos popping up. It's true. No, no characters that we've met before are in the show. You might have heard... The name Rick and Stark in this teaser, but it is not the Rick and Stark (laughs) (laughs) that you are familiar with. Uh, So basically, the main players are this. King Viserys I, Targaryen. Nice guy. Rare 
for Targaryen king, but this is like a pretty nice, chill king. He was actually kind of democratically elected, which is very odd. Uh, he, w- he was elected because uh, there was some contention over who would take the throne. It was him. Between him and another guy, he won. He has a peaceable rule. He's got a daughter, Rhaenyra, and he's like, she's my heir. Okay? All right. That's fine. Who's, who's Rhaenyra's mother, by the way? Um, why would you ask me that right here? <laughs> Show me up. Because I uh, discovered in my little bit of wikiing that it is an Aaron. And so my boy, Robin Aaron, from the first season, oh. pops up <laughs> at least in uh, bloodline spirit here. I'm happy that Rhaenyra is, uh, is, Dave, is part Aaron. Dave is like frantic to find a house Aaron connection so he can be on brand. <laughs> I uh, was, and I did. Okay. Rhaenyra's going to take the throne after her nice dad dies. That's fine. Everything's yeah, fine. That's how things would work Everything's in a fine. non-sexist society. Uh, Viserys Maybe. has a uh, a sexy blonde brother named Damon Targaryen. Ooh. Played by Matt Smith, a.k.a. the best part of the recent Morbius film. Right? Low bar, Matt Smith cleared it. Right? Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Morbius is Matt Smith. He's not going to be king. He's the brother of the king, but... His niece is going to be take over the throne, okay? He might have some feelings about that, but that's the state of affairs. However, old King Viserys made a move that a lot of old kings have made in their time, which is he married a young woman. Neil, what can you tell us about Viserys' child bride? She, his child bride, Viserys, is from the distant, I guess distant-ish, old town from the house Hightower, Alicent. Hightower, played by Olivia Cook, who we've seen in many, many uh, independent films, I think is probably where I recognize Olivia Cook from the most. And she becomes not, his second wife. Not your favorite movie, Ready Player One? No, no okay. not my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so, and she, you know, obviously she decides that uh, her children should yeah. be next in line for the throne, not uh, Rhaenyra. So, young wife, Alison Hightower, has some sons. That complicates yeah. things. She also has a dad, Otto Hightower, played by the great Reese Fonz, uh, uh, mm-hmm. who's who has some thoughts and feelings about who should be on the throne. And he thinks maybe it should be his daughter or more specifically his daughter's sons. Okay. So all of that is it. So all that kicks off eventually. You essentially have Al- Team Alicent, the mm-hmm. Greens, and Team Rhaenyra, the Blacks. And that is... Civil War that is Dance of Dragons. And there's a bunch of other characters in the mix here, but that's those are the main players that we're working with here. I guess I'm just going to start with, with that being said. And that I think all of that stuff, I think, is just season one. That's what I mm-hmm. think season one is. Because mm. eventually, like, Rhaenyra marries her uncle, and that's in this trailer. So, and that's way far down the line of events. So, what else, what else we know about this production is that they're going to be doing... Either, I think they're going to be doing flashbacks. I think they're telling the story slightly out of order because we have young actresses cast for Alicent and for Rhaenyra, and we get a lot of young Rhaenyra in this trailer. So I think um, we're either going to get a lot of flashbacks or we're just going to get like a young Rhaenyra preamble leading up to, but they have a lot of ground to cover. So I don't think I mean, they're just I hope for flashbacks because it took Game of Thrones, uh, the first series, a bit of time before it really embraced flashback storytelling. Five seasons, baby. Which, you know, could uh, 
is one of the signs that it was sort of reaching an adaptation phase where it had to be much more of a television show than adapting literary material. But also a lot of the stuff that I liked in the first season was just, you know, people talking about what, what came before. But, but I guess this way, maybe, Joanna, I don't mean to be too uh, leading in this, but it, the difference between the way George R. R. Martin tells stories and watching a HBO at a adaptation of that is about how much we could believe what we're seeing. So rather than seeing things through a narrator or a point of view character, maybe we're seeing what happened. Maybe. The the interesting thing about Fire and Blood, the the book that, and maybe this is what you're leading me to, the book that a lot of this is based on is that it is told by multiple narrators. You basically have two main narrators or a couple. It's basically like a, according to this dry academic scholarship, this happened. But according to this crusty old jester, this is what happened. And so you get conflicting narrations about the history. It's a fun thing about Fire and Blood if you've never read it. So we could get multiple perspective, a sort of Rashomon-style storytelling of this story. I don't know that they're going to go that experimental with a, sh- with a show in a world where there's so many characters to begin with and so many blonde, interchangeable characters to begin <laughs> with that it's hard enough to keep track of what's going on. Neil, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see how deep they go in flashbacks. I think one of the other things I'm really interested to see is how the world is different, right? We mentioned the time difference. And so we, we all remember Ned Stark. And we all remember the day Ned Stark ceased to be Ned Stark. Uh, that was in uh, in the history of Westeros, 299 AC, which is 299 years after Aegon's conquest. This story takes place closer to 100 uh-huh. AC. Uh-huh. Uh, or like one... one yeah, I think Viserys is like 103 to 120-something yeah. uh, in his reign. So... Uh, significantly different time. I, one of the things I noticed in the trailer that's kind of fun, but maybe not all the way fun, is the way the throne looks. And they have this, you know, we have the throne that we know from the original Game of Thrones series, and then we have these uh, other swords that are sort of strewn about the, like, platform mm-hmm. where the throne exists, which feels like they're, you know, trying to make it feel like a different time and a slightly different throne than the one we, you know, saw have its whole uh, deal in Game of Thrones. And uh, so I, I'm, I'm keeping an eye out for that stuff. I think that's the most significant one so far because it looks like Martin's sort of original description of this throne where there's just like hundreds of swords everywhere. Yeah. Uh, not quite as tall as uh, the description in the book, but uh, I appreciate the effort to like definitely signal to the audience in this trailer that this is the world we know, but... A much different era, you know? It's a fun way to split the difference between the throne that we saw in, in Game of Thrones that George mm-hmm. was always like, too small, and the <laughs> uh, unfilmable version oh, yeah. that he has described that that is in, like, his favorite concept art for the throne that he has shared over the years that is just, like, completely ridiculous. It's just like a 30-foot-tall pile of yeah. swords <laughs> that have been melted together. <laughs> So on this show, they're like, what if we added some? And so, like, yeah, it's con- it's possible, it's conceivable that over 100 years, these other swords snapped off or wore away sure. or whatever. And so you get the one that we see in the HBO uh, Yeah, well, series. they didn't, you know, when we see the Red Keep in the first time in Game of Thrones, they needed a lot of room because that's where they stored a lot of the old dragon skulls. Right. But here's what they don't need in this era, any dragon skull storage. Because you know what they have? 
real ass dragon. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people have their own real ass dragon, and that is going to be important. This is like, so compared to the teaser we saw before, this is the first time we're looking at dragons. We get a dragon rider in this in this trailer, and then we get the dragon shot at the end, which is probably Caraxes. That's uh, Damon's dragon. Dave is our resident polygon expert. Yeah. Uh fan of fan of CGI breakdowns. What can you tell yeah. me about the dragons we see in this trailer? They look great. It's almost like they had a whole bunch of practice doing these very specific things, flying <laughs> around these very specific environments. Like stone tunnels and outside the red keep. Like perfect. We know what dragons are supposed to look like there. Um uh, but I am uh you know very happy that the environments are looking uh, both new and recognizable. So, like, I, again, haven't read the books, but I recognize a Dragonstone. I recognize a Red Keep. I recognize a Blackwater Bay. Like, these things are semi-recognizable, but also uh, different in the design flair. And so I'm, what I'm zeroing in on this trailer is not only, like, places and people, but, like, continuing to be uh, more and more impressed by the design of this. As someone who does look at, like, production leaks, uh, I will tell you, this stuff doesn't look great when shot from a, like, iPhone zoom lens over some, like, uh, stone fence somewhere. Uh, but it's it's looking really good. It looks like Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah, the one, the location that I, I zeroed on on our friend, uh, Luca Nieto, who works for Watchers on the Wall, a great fan site, uh, was tweeting about the use of Hall in this trailer. There's a shot mm -hmm. of Hall where it looks like people are being asked to uh, swear their fealty to Rhaenyra. Um, and... It looks massive in a way that, like, you know, the when we saw Heron Hall in Thrones, I think it was season two and season four, I think is when we saw Heron Hall and like season, the season two budget. You know, Heron Hall is is huge, massive place that's in ruins that is melted, that is blackened, that is all this stuff. And we saw that's where Arya was like a cupbearer for for um Tywin, et cetera, in, in Thrones. Um not in the books, but in the show. Um, but uh, it looks so much bigger here mm -hmm. and so much more impressive and so much closer to our, our understanding of the book because they just have the bigger budget to do the impressive CG rendering of the the walls and and all of that. So, I, like, seeing Hall got me really <laughs> excited. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Neil? Well, Hall is a big one. I actually, that there are two things that I think really excite me. Two detail-oriented things. One is locations that we're going to see. The other is uh, famous swords that we're going to meet, uh -huh. which we'll get oh, to. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got some famous swords. Uh, so, but location-wise, yeah, Harrenhal. Not only because it's going to be cool to see Harrenhal again, but because in over the course of the Dance of Dragons, this giant civil war between Targaryens, there are some really great battles that where Harrenhal is sort of the backdrop, including, I think, probably the climactic one that involves Damon and some dragons, but probably won't see in the first season. It feels like a multi, multiple seasons down the road yeah. sort of battle. That's like a season three battle, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, but I'm excited to be back at Heron Hall. Uh, still burnt, but you know, in better days. I'm excited to maybe get a little bit more of the High Tower in Old Town as more than just a background thing in Sam Tarly's story in uh, the original Thrones, like the giant tower where the high the, the seat of House Hightower in Old Town. Uh, I was that was one of the Game of Thrones disappointments for me was that we didn't get enough of like what's going on in Old Town outside of the <laughs> Citadel. 
you know? So this is this is more about the family that's got, in like, charge of... We got poops and scrubs and nothing much right. more, poops right? poops and scrubs, a <laughs> little bit of Jim Broadbent, and yeah. then we're back on the road. Uh-huh. And this one's more about the family that sort of runs yeah. Old Town, and I think that's fun. And also there's a new one, Dave. You mentioned Blackwater Bay. I believe that we're going to hopefully see High Tide, which is the seat of House Valerion. Yeah. Which uh, is a it's a towering castle that exists on the island of Driftmark, which is an island off of Blackwater Bay. And this is for for specifically for you, Dave. It is made in the books from a similar pale stone material as the Erie. <gasps> so it's a shiny, bright, sort of silvery castle that uh, exists on the bay. So it's like it's like bringing a little bit of e- the eerie to you, Dave. Yeah. Uh, down in Kingsley. I think Dave would be served well by switching his fealty from House Aaron to House Valerian um, oh, in, yeah. this, in the show. But different centuries, different... Like, you can't trust one family for multiple centuries. I guess that makes sense to me. Corliss is like essentially a pirate, which fits Dave's yeah. like vibe pretty well. It's called the sea snake. The sea snake. It's awesome. Come on. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, I mean, you know, if you watch the original Game of Thrones and thought the Lannisters loved incestuous drama, they have nothing on the Targaryens that we're going to meet in this new series. Like, the Targaryens are extremely chaotic. And, uh, you know, I don't know if we're going to be rooting for a ton of them, <laughs> if we're being honest. <laughs> okay, well, so I want to talk about uh, something that you... I, I, I asked Dave's uh, expert take on the dragons, and I have an expert take question for you, Neil. Mm. So we know there's, like, a bunch of returning... Folks, why some Benny Effer not on the scene here? Sure. But uh, Miguel Sapochnik, who is one of our favorite directors, who did a bunch of great battle episodes from Thrones. Um, Ramin Javadi, you might have heard some classic Javadi music on the on the trailer. (laughs) Uh, Barry Gower is back doing some fun like prosthetic work, etc. It's rumored that Deb Riley is back, but I can't find confirmation. Yeah, she's not listed on IMDb. I went, I went looking for that because. You know, obviously, production design changes yeah. are important and uh, interesting to see how that goes. But I wanted to ask you a cinematography question. We actually got an e- uh, a question from a listener about this. Uh, Brian asked, how are we feeling about the filter Sapochnik threw over all the footage? And the cinematography made me think a lot of... Uh, what Kubrick did with Barry Lyndon, a lot of like lit by candles only, which they did mm-hmm. in some stuff on on Thrones as well. But I got I've heard a lot of complaints about darkness already with this trailer. <laughs> so Neil, here's my question: Are the Neil settings which we've talked about on the Ringerverse? Are the Neil yeah. settings on your TV required to enjoy this trailer? I would think so because you know one of the benefits that original Game of Thrones had is that. They very primarily shot on sets and used actual natural lighting, you know, real candles and things like that to create some of those, um, some of that ambiance. And I don't know if production-wise, the new series is shooting on that many real locations, is shooting on as many real locations. It still looks very tactile and um, very real, but when you're trying to fake natural lighting, you can get into some some dicey territory, right? Like, um, you know, it may not look as as natural. It usually shows up in, like, the actual lighting on the actors themselves doesn't seem to be coming from where the light is supposed to be coming from. So we'll see. I would say in the trailer, it looks really good, but you mentioned Miguel Sapochnik, the creative... <laughs> 
uh, mastermind and psychopath behind the long night. Uh, so it is important that you go into your TV's settings, get your brightness turned down a little bit, turn your contrast up a little bit, kill the light from all the windows. We're going to see some dark stuff. Turn off motion smoothing, please. For oh my gosh. All reasons everywhere. For the love of Rodor. Uh, <laughs> turn, <laughs> turn off, turn off motion smoothing. smoothing. And yeah, we might get some darker stuff, but then again, that is that is some of the stuff that I love from Thrones, that they are, even when the show was sort of going off the rails narratively, they were very vigilant about it looking great. And even the stuff that's a little too dark for most people's TVs still looks great when you actually can see it. Uh, so so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Miguel Sebastian is, I think you mentioned almost everybody on my, my top list of the reason... One of the reasons why I'm excited is because so many of the behind-the-scenes talent has come back. Sapochnik is great. I'm expecting big action. He understands how to choreograph uh, action that involves dragons, which is very important. He did a lot of late, late season work, mm-hmm. uh, you know, six through eight seasons on Thrones. I mean, I was reminded today in the trailer, sort of toward the end of the trailer, is that the music rises and you can hear the the new theme, and then you start to hear the old theme. And I was like, oh, shit. Ramin Javadi, I wrote in my notes, Ramin Javadi is back and that's what matters most. Because <laughs> they can mess up a lot of stuff on a Game of Thrones show and he can bring it home with the score. That's how I felt. And that's, what I, so, that's how I felt when I heard John Williams on the first Obi-Wan teaser. I was like, oh, sure. what else matters? Duel of the Fates is here. Yeah. <laughs> cover up a lot with a good score. Um, I also think it's interesting, uh, Ryan Condal, who's the showrunner yeah. and creator and writer, it's very interesting looking at sort of his previous work. It's nothing to really write home about necessarily. Like he wrote 2018's uh, Rampage, with, where The Rock fights a bunch of giant someone animals. Had to, someone had to write that movie. Right? And he wrote 2014's <laughs> Hercules. And, you know, that's fair. I think it's fair for folks to bring stuff like that up. However, that was true of Weiss and Benioff when Game of Thrones started as well. Like they didn't really have a lot to go on. In fact, I think... Their biggest uh, production credit between them was that Benioff wrote X Men Origins Wolverine, uh, which this is 25th hour erasure, but sure. Oh, sure, 25th <laughs> hour. But like, you know, there wasn't a whole lot to go on, and and they successfully adapted okay. George R. R. Martin's text for like four ish seasons. Five, five, five yeah, maybe five ish. That's when efficiency started to get in the way. Okay, I think invoking, invoking Weiss and Betty F is a good thing to do, though, because this is like mm-hmm. a lot of the big question for a lot of people is like, do I am I even excited about the show? Do I even sure. want to watch the show? This is something that like Mallory and I talked about when we broke down the teaser is like, am I ready to be burnt again? by Game of Thrones. Um, and one of our listeners, Kate Ronan, saying, saying, mostly I want to know if finally seeing a dragon has gotten you more excited for the show. And I don't I don't think it's like seeing a dragon that has gotten me excited, but I think I'm just like, maybe it's like all the other IP in the water. I don't know what it is. But I'm just sort of like, yeah, let's, I'm ready to go back. Dave, how are you feeling? Are you, are you ready to go back? Oh, yeah. I mean, although what you described, the, you expect the first season to be, does sound like a lot. It um, doesn't have a gigantic battle episode that I know of, or it sounds like. It sounds like we're getting uh, slightly closer back to what we really latched onto with early Game of Thrones, which is <clears throat> political machinations and people talking to each other in like little enclosed rooms. So I'm, I really think... There's an idea uh, with going with this series over the the other uh, spinoff series, um, or <clears throat> that uh, 
this series is, you know, has more dragons. I do think that where they chose to pick it up has the bells and whistles that we're going to recognize your hair and halls, your dragons. Uh, but it seems to have the potential to just do like good old fashioned uh, political intrigue with a medieval touch. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Neil, where are you? Are you ready? You ready to go back? Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got like 10 minutes into researching today, and all of a sudden I had like 30 tabs open on the wiki of Ice and Fire. <laughs> and I think what it proves is that I was I was for a very long time and still am in love with Game of Thrones, the monumental television show. But the greater draw for me is being in the world of Westeros, being in George R. R. Martin's insanely detailed world that he created. So I think it's a huge benefit to this spinoff that they've started by adapting something that Martin has uh, not only written, but finished. <laughs> and that's, you know, that gives him an advantage over the, you know, previous thrones, because you can write off a lot of the end of the way Game of Thrones finished by just saying, well, they didn't have the books, so they had to kind of go on their own and they weren't up to it. Um and so I think this one, it's a little more pressure because George is a little more involved again, but it it feels like we're getting in back into that world that Dave's talking about. It feels like we're gonna, you know, have some machinations. And then yeah, knowing the Dance of Dragons history, there will be plenty of opportunities for massive battles. <laughs> involving a lot of blonde people trying to kill each other. I think that is definitely the advantage. Uh, one of one of our listeners, Jen, wrote in, is all, is all the story written so we can avoid a season eight fiasco? I'm in for the trailer. And I'm like, yes, that's, that's the thing you can be sure of. We yeah. know where we're going. The disadvantage that this show has over Game of Thrones is that even though there is source material, it's not novels. And so you right. don't have all that rich George R. R. Martin dialogue to lift and drop in your show, you've got... Sure. And you're missing all of the intricate food descriptions. That I know. Are, you know Whatever what we do without lamprey pie, that's my question. Right. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. So, that I mean, that's just, that's that's in the balance. What, what you gain is certainty of the roadmap. What you lose is maybe some of the, like, details of the pebbles along the way. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. 
Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. I want to ask you both. I'm, I'm going to give my candidate, then I want to ask you both if you have like a favorite singular shot from the trailer. I didn't ask you to prepare that ahead of time, so I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I will shout mine out, which is a shot of Rhaenyra over, uh, and and the Thrones Twitter account tweeted this out like before the teaser dropped as like a, mm-hmm. we got something coming, but the shot of Rhaenyra over a map table <clears throat> and the map table, we, we've seen plenty of map tables on Thrones. We've seen mm-hmm. shadow babies conceived on map tables on Game of Thrones, but this one is ma- meant to look like cooling magma which is one mm-hmm. of like speaking of production design one of the coolest things i've ever seen on game of thrones i think it looks amazing um dave did you have a a one perfect shot from the from the trailer uh that's hard for me um because there's a lot of beautiful shots but if i'm gonna go with what grabbed me uh first uh, it's going to go with like the midway through the trailer. Uh, Allison Hightower is introduced to the story and uh, she sort of walks by a crowd of parting people. And at least visually to me, uh, that's the first pop up of like uh, greens, like a really cool green uh, mm-hmm. in the entire color design of the series. And now hearing at the top of this podcast that that's absolutely not a mistake, that that's all thematic makes me think that maybe the costumes are my favorite part of this. And like that close-up shot of Renaris combined with Allison coming in. Maybe I just like costumes this time around. Because I, I, I love that sort of thing. <laughs> Especially when a lot of other television is just sort of like, and they're wearing stuff. Uh, I like going back into the, the fantasy realm where everything's considered and, and uh, it's shot to be of a, of a piece. Surprise style hound, Dave Gonzalez, Neil, yeah, Neil Miller. Look, look at me. <laughs> Neil Miller, what's your one perfect shot? Uh, well, I think I have two, which is, you know. Um, I'm sorry, BRB, I'm going to start the Twitter account, Two Perfect Shots. Two Perfect Shots. I have two Perfect Shots. At, at two Perfect Shots. <laughs> I mean, I think one of the ones that gets me is the the shot of, of Matt Smith's Damon and his entourage walking away from Dragonstone. It looks like Dragonstone in the back, and I think it's just really fun to be back at Dragonstone. Um, I am a big fan of just sort of that that opening sequence where the camera sort of lowers us into the throne room. And it's really cool, not only to see the changes they made, obviously, that we talked about to the throne room, but there's just something about that throne room being full of people who have come to hear, sort of come to witness the events of the day at court that feels like home a bit in the Game of Thrones universe, right? Because if you think about where, what that room did at the end of Game of Thrones, it sort of had its own empty life there for a while. And it's nice to see we're back sort of really in the mix of the stuff that, you know, Dave was talking about, the the politics of the day and all the families sort of jockeying per, for position. I kept trying to like look up to the left at that walkway that's like raised above where Cersei used to like eyeball everybody. <laughs> Like, and I'm like, who, <laughs> who gets to walk in that walkway? Who gets to eyeball everybody at court? Let's go. <laughs> so I think it was that. Plus, you know, that throne room is just one of the coolest designs that we've seen in, you know, this century of television. I think it's also really cool that the 
the way that they include that section in the trailer, I think, is indicative of what really what their big mission is going to be, which is pepper in enough familiar to keep the like mm-hmm. casuals who aren't reading the books like excited, and then introduce the new. So we get swearing a fealty from Rick and Stark, Borman Baratheon, so two names we know, and then Dave's new BFF. Uh, Corlys Valerian. With the shiny right? castle, apparently. <laughs> mm-hmm. The sea snake himself, right? So it's like familiar, familiar, new. And and that's, you know, hopefully enough yeah. to draw people in. Well, that's exactly like the last shot of the the trailer, which is like, here are your two new queens that are going to be going at it and set up the, from what I understand, rest of the series. Uh, but also, hey, here's the cat spot dagger. <laughs> like, yep. look at it. It's right there. <laughs> you remember that? Uh-huh. That's like the R2-D2 of our story. <laughs> I love it when a Valerian steel blade shows up. There's yeah. actually, there's another one in the trailer. Do you want to know what the other one was? Uh, yes, of course. So, I'm, at least I'm pretty sure that there's another one in the trailer. But um, Ryan Condal has said on a podcast that we're going to see at least three famous Valerian swords in this uh in this show. And one is Dark Sister, which yeah. I believe we get a little bit of in the trailer. Yeah. It'll be wielded by Matt Smith's Damon, the rogue prince Targaryen. Mm-hmm. We have Blackfire, which was, it's another Targaryen legacy sword. It was Aegon the Conqueror's sword. So that's going to be kicking around somewhere. I don't actually know who's going to be wielding it just yet. Um, but if we're talking about Rickon Stark, an old school Rickon Stark, who I assume knows how to run in a serpentine pattern. Because he's... <laughs> Because he lives long enough for there to be another Rickon Stark. Because he lives long enough to be he in charge. He that long, of, but sure, yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, <laughs> he may may very well have ice, which is the sword Ned Stark had at the beginning of Thrones. I don't I don't know if we're going to see too much of the Starks. They don't uh, yeah. seem to play too much, at least in what they're setting up in this trailer sure, in this first season. I'm pretty sure they'll try I mean, there's a Sansa Stark kicking around. I'm pretty sure they're going to try to shoehorn sure. them in as much as they can. Um, yeah, we'll get some Starks. Um, here's the other one to look out for. Hmm. One more Valerian steel blade. Uh, it's called Vigilance. It is the ancestral sword of House Hightower, and it is uh, Otto, who is played by his Allison's dad, mm-hmm. played by Pat, uh, Risa Fons. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, his nephew, Ormond Tightower, eventually will figure in, at least in the books, figures into the Dance of Dragons and carries around this pretty badass old-school Valyrian sword. So I don't know if we'll see him right away, but if we get a couple seasons, I'm looking out for you, Ormond Hightower. Vigilance is such a good name for a sword. Oh, that's a great Quick, one. I mean, we're not going to be here this much longer. We're close to wrapping up, I promise, but quick sidebar. <laughs> Do you remember at that time at Con of Thrones, the Game of Thrones convention we went to, one of, uh, that uh, we did a trivia game and there was a round that was just like identify these swords mm-hmm. and our team got 10 out of 10 mm-hmm. and I've never yeah. been prouder in my life <laughs> <laughs> that we aced the sword round on the we don't we really almost won that trivia game by the way okay Listen, <laughs> we know a lot about, we know game about them swords <laughs> uh, I do want to sh- speaking of Damon Targaryen I just want to shout out two things that we see in the trailer one to sort of reinforce that flashback idea, there's one shot of him with shorter hair, like a cute little little crop cut on his platinum blonde hair. So I think a little that's, Targaryen bob. Yeah, I think that Targaryen bob is part of his flashback look. Um, and then also there's the part where he's like huffing out of a room. I think he's gonna huff out of a lot of rooms, but he huffs out sure. of a room and he swirls his gold cloaks, and a bunch of gold cloaks follow him. And a fun fact about Damon Targaryen is he he was the head of the city watch. He's the one who started. 
gold cloaks, right? Like oh. he's, he's a, on your costume beat, Dave. He's a bit of a clothes hound. And so he's like, uh, if I have to head up these people, we're going to look great. So gold cloaks for everyone. Um, so we're getting, getting gold cloak origin story, I suppose. But the thing that I really want to talk to you guys about before we go is this thing that Rain- Queen Rainus says, and I'm going to tell you who she is, Dave, right now. She is the wife of your new best friend, the sea snake, right? Ooh. She was passed over for the fr- throne really fucking unfairly because there, it, there is not, the laws of succession are not gender-based in Westeros. And so she should have been queen after her father died. But her grandfather okay. sucks. Her father died before her grandfather, King Jaehaerys, died. He sucks. He was like, not you, your younger brother. <laughs> Wildly unfair. But then her younger brother dies. Still not you, and not even your son. So that's when her son and Viserys, Patty, Patty Considine, who winds up on the throne, that's when they had an election and uh, her son lost the election, essentially. Oh, okay. So House Valerian has been passed over essentially twice for the throne. Rhaenys is called the queen who never was. Uh, what a fun name. So she's telling Rhaenyra, men would rather put a torch to the throne than see a woman ascending onto... Oh, no, it's the realm, right? Men would rather put yeah. a torch to the realm than see a woman ascending the Iron Throne. And that's something that she says, having been passed over to her. It's like her cousin, essentially, is is what um, Rhaenyra is. And essentially, like, the Civil War... Alicent is like, oh, it's not for me, it's for my sons. Don't you want my sons to rule, right? And so gender Mm -hmm. is involved in all of this. I've seen some people react poorly to this line. They're like, ooh, is Game of Thrones all woke? And and my question is, did you watch Game of Thrones? I don't know. Are you familiar with the story of Cersei (laughs) Lannister? (laughs) (laughs) Daenerys Targaryen. The women in power is like, has always been a question at the heart of this. But my question to you, I'm going to start with Neil, I guess, is like, how do you feel about this line? How do you feel about its placement in the trailer here? How do you feel about this being something that the show is going to have to contend with under the shadow of the way that Daenerys' story ended on Game of Thrones? I mean, I think, you know, like the real world in many ways, Westeros has some issues that that go back a long way. So it's a recurring theme for the patriarchy that exists in Westeros to resist uh, any any strong female, especially a, a woman who would become a ruler. So, yeah, I don't know. I think putting it in the trailer is interesting because, you know, real world context is a little raw um and you know the way thrones ended is i guess still a little raw even though it was what almost four years ago three three or, four years or ago, 100 at this point. years ago i'm not sure time as far time as i can tell meaning. it was three decades ago <laughs> um but like we just mentioned this is a theme that martin has played with in uh, all of his game of thrones stories right the who gets to rule who gets to decide who gets to rule and can that be accomplished uh, by just talking it out or do you need to ram your dragons into each other and i feel like the answer for this series is going to be we're going to ram our dragons into each other and we will all benefit from that eventuality <laughs> <laughs> or everything will burn dave right <laughs> Uh, yeah, it doesn't bother me as like a generalist's way because this trailer is for everybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I completely agree uh, with Neil in knowing what the story is going to be about. Uh, but I see why as a marketing line, 
uh, it works in the edit to set up the idea that it is going to be a struggle between power. And it cuts out the entire argument you just said where Allison's sort of more about her children. I don't see any children in this trailer. Maybe that's just a layer too deep on the onion for under two minutes of trailer. They just want you to show up because you heard the name Stark and you saw some dragons and the cat's paw dagger. And this trailer is wildly successful at doing that. Uh, beyond that, we're going to have to wait and see, I guess. All right. So that, I mean, that I think is about it. I think we did it. Oh, this is obviously not the last time we'll hear the three of us talk together again about Game of Thrones, I promise, or House of the Dragon. Um, I do have one last question before we go. It's like, tell the folks where they can find you elsewhere and then tell us whether you're Team Green, Allison Hightower, or Team Black, Rhaenyra Targaryen. And a vote for Rhaenyra is also a vote for Damon. just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Miller. Uh, well, you can also find me on Twitter in multiple places, at Rejects. That's where I post about me sometimes. And uh, at One Perfect Shot, which is a Twitter account people have heard of. And at Dave and Neil, which is a thing that Dave and I do on the side. DA7E and NEIL. Just follow us on Twitter. I long in my heart to live in the reach. I would love to visit High Garden. I want to live in Old Town. I want to gather knowledge. I guess that means that I am loyal to House Hightower and I am a green. Team Ooh. green. Dave? Uh, I'm Dave Gonzalez. As Neil mentioned, DA7E and Neil on Twitter or just DA7E just for the solo. Uh, you can also hear me on the uh, Fighting in the War Room podcast. And I'm going to take uh, black because green next to my natural skin tone makes me look yellow like I have jaundice. So I'm going <laughs> for the style since that's my my want for House of the Dragon season. I'm in it for the style. Team Black. Uh, I'm Jordan Robinson, of course. You can find me elsewhere on The Ringer and all sorts of shows. You can find me talking to these two jabronis on Trial by Content. Uh, email us trialbycontent at gmail.com if you have a surprise cameo in a film you want to nominate and a couple lines in support of it and we might advocate for your choice on air uh as i mentioned before the ringerverse will be back on friday to talk about dr strange with the midnight boys mallory and i'll be back on monday to talk about dr strange deep dive you can follow us on all the socials to find out more about that i'm excited i'm excited <laughs> I think I'm team black. I'm team messy fuckboy prince, Damon Targaryen. I can't. can't believe we're excited about Game of Thrones again. <laughs> Every time we think we're out, they just pull us back and in. They got us. It's like R2-D2. Where was the cat's paw dagger before he was part of the greatest story of all time? Um, this episode was produced last minute. Thank you so much for your help, Mike Wargon. And then also thank you, Arjuna Rangapal, always for additional production work. And that's it for us. Team Team Black all the way. Bye. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.